Hey, welcome to part two of our discussion on arts and communism. In this section, we finally address our listener question from Aiden. Thank you for being patient. We also get to our organization corner where we talk about artist unions. Hope you guys enjoy. Again, similar to last week, there's going to be some extra noise. My husband is a super cool World of Warcraft player. So you're going to hear some keyboards clacking away and some cupboards opening when he's getting snacks. Pretty sure there's a door opening in there somewhere. So sorry, we're working on getting a house. So hopefully this will happen less often when I have a studio space. But for now, enjoy my my city life and my my city husband. Hope you enjoy this episode. Smell you later. All right, let's get to our listener question. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. This was from Aiden, right? Yeah, do you want to read it? Uh, Sure, yeah. Uh, Aiden said, I'm a filmmaker, and I had a question about what my job would look like under communism. I'm only 24, and I've only made short films, but my question is more about larger-scale indie productions. Uh, For example, let's say I was making, directing a $2 million feature film, either under my own production company or an outside company. You know, and the company was paying the cast and crew, Ultimately, if the film's a success, theatrically and digitally via video on demand, uh, I'd be the one making the profit, along with the producers and distributors. Only some actors get residuals, but the crew doesn't. Uh, Underpaid workers in the film industry are already a huge problem. So I'd imagine there'd have to be, you know, a huge shift in operation when moving away from capitalism. He says, would there be a difference between my own company paying a crew or an outside company paying crew? Or what if we were in a communist society and a foreign production company that wasn't communist wanted to fund the film? Now, I'm wondering what collaborative art such as filmmaking would look like in a communist society. All right. I mean, obviously, I like this question because we decided to make a whole episode about it. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought there was a lot here, too. Yeah. I I also want to include plays and musicals in this. Um, You know, there's obviously going to be some stuff specific to films, but... In general, collaborative mm-hmm. art could be a lot of different things. Could be orchestras, could be uh, oh, just yeah. a big collaborative art project. Lots of shit. Yeah. So, but in in this question, I mean, how do you think it would work? How do, how do movies work? How do movies work right now? No, I'm, I'm oh, just It's kidding. very complex. I didn't figure that out <laughs> completely. <laughs> no, I'm just saying how, how should they work? So with the small films thing that he starts with, right? Is This is talking like short films, basically, I think. I think, yeah. I think that we talked about in some of the benefits of a socialistic society, you would have more free time to pursue this, more resources, more materials, everything's more, you know, affordable in in terms of what you make and in terms of how much time you have to devote to it. So I think it just generally makes it easier if it's that small scale project. You can pursue smaller passion projects because you're going to have more time to do it because you're working less hours and you're getting paid fairly. So you can afford to buy cool costumes or whatever you need, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I feel like you're free. You're more free to pursue this. I think we mentioned this before when you were talking about. I have to, you know, consider what for what I'm going to do for a career mm-hmm. further down the road. Like if you already know, I'm interested in doing films. You can just like go for that, and you don't yeah. have to worry about what if I don't make it big. Who cares? More of your basic needs taken care of. You don't have to worry about that. You have more time to devote to a passion project yeah. such as that. Um, obviously under actual communism, you don't have to worry about that either. (laughs) You're free to let your imagination run wild. But what I think he's also interested in when we're talking about, you know, collaborative, uh, collaborative art, you know, larger scale, what would that look like? Yeah. Um, I think, 
I think that's an interesting question. I mean, I think in general, so he uses the term like my production agency or production company, I'd be the one making a profit. I think those things would change. <laughs> one would be it's like a worker-led company. Yeah. And you wouldn't be getting the profit. Be, everyone would get paid fairly and it would be split, right? Yeah. To the extent that there are, there are profits involved. Depending on where we are in the socialist timeline. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even in the very early, you know, if we're talking worker co-op run things or, you know, just more workplace democracy, very reformist early style, you know, early stage sort of things, what profits that could arise in that situation from, you know, not having paid your workers as much or as much as they needed to be paid earlier, um, that would all get distributed to everyone um, in the company, you know, like everybody would get their fair share of that and that would be kind of democratically decided when you when you're talking about high paid actors and everything you don't really need that as much even if you're talking in a social democratic situation those actors aren't going to do too much with that money or even keep too much of that money because you know you tax the hell out of it so much of it's going to get taxed taxed away yeah there's not as much incentive to do that i guess yeah that's one thing I, I, you know, we touched on this with a lot of the earlier categories of, of artists and, you know, actors would be included in, in that, in that they get kind of taken down a peg money-wise. And that's kind of a good thing because that means that, you know, there are better opportunities for lesser known actors to break in and to, you know, work on more projects. You know, more marginalized yeah. voices can get heard again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lower uh, barriers to entry. Because a lot of filmmaking is like, okay, who can we attach this film so it sells? You know, like, you gotta fucking get Brad Pitt or whatever. Yeah, that's a big concern. You know, there is some, con- there is some, you know, casting in terms of we think that this person would be great for this role yeah, or whatever, sure. But I, I think a big motivation of it is, like you said, Let's get box office stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because we need to make our returns. Exactly. So what else would, would happen? I think also one thing you could be looking at in a reformist socialist situation is this project could be publicly funded mm-hmm. by either the national government or local uh, councils. This is a stupid question. Yeah. <laughs> is I mean, isn't that what BBC does? And like PBS? Uh, they do. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know their particulars funding structure because i know that they do get at least pbs does get like corporate donations and things Mm -hmm. they are a corporation themselves they do receive money from the government and they they're like a non-profit i guess yeah but they also receive corporate donations and stuff and donations from individuals uh bbc i think is also is similar in the sense that it gets a lot of state funding too but theoretically we could just amp up bbc and pbs and stuff like that on our way to socialist utopia and i mean they they make good shit you know (laughs) like i mean i think that could be one avenue is like yeah more things could be publicly funded i think so yeah um i think that would be a good transitionary thing that people would be pretty comfortable with offering subsidies to worker run uh worker run production studios subsidies to or grants to basically federal funding to local groups that want to make their own you know, movies in a community that would work. And you could make these like large scale. Like you could devote a bunch of money to this if you wanted yeah. to. It's all general treasury stuff. I mean, and there's a bunch of money that way. I think uh, if you were moving on further down the line a little bit to more, you know, anarcho-communist or on the way to that even, 
you know, you don't have true post scarcity maybe, but like your local resources might not be enough to put together like a really, you know, a big budget movie, mm-hmm. like with all the bells and whistles, successful effects and everything that you really, a blockbuster thing. I think that part of anarcho-communism though is like voluntary associations with different groups, um, with other uh, local communes, maybe having a, a whole group of, you know, a region of communes that might have different specialties. That'd be cool. So like a network of filmmakers you could work with. Yeah, a network of filmmakers, a network of resources to use on the fi- in the films, a uh, network of not just like writers and directors and things, but also a uh, crew. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that you could, that could collaborate on this, not just in a, in a regional level, but this could even, you know, ultimately be extended, you know, continent worldwide. Uh, another thing that kind of goes with that maybe is currently you're all kind of, you know, the studios and, and the different film production companies are kind of competing to make whatever they think is, is going to sell, is going to sell, or maybe especially come around Oscar time, you know, going to be the best, <laughs> the best film, you know, instead of that competition. Now you're going to be working collaboratively. And I don't think like, I think the competition, there's an argument to be made maybe that, competition spurs innovation in terms of Mm -hmm. how to make a better car how to make a better like tangible product Mm -hmm. maybe with art uh, to me it doesn't like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna make the best thing i'll show and so and so like (laughs) it's not a thing it's not really usually why why people do that yeah i I think in terms of of art i don't see it as a competition i think a lot of people are tempted to especially with social media like "Mm, i have so many likes i have like six followers and you're making different stuff. Like it's, it's fucking apples to apples or apples to oranges rather. <laughs> it's different stuff. Like you're, you only can tell your story and like, that's just part of it. Mm-hmm. You just got to keep going. And eventually hopefully somebody out there likes it. But I, I think of it in terms too of, of what I've learned in therapy, which is that someone else being good at something or being pretty or smart or whatever it is, doesn't take away from you being pretty or smart or whatever. Like you two things can be true at once, which is my favorite maxim. And there's room, there's room enough for everybody to be good. That's very true. Yeah. Especially with the need to, you know, the need to return a big profit on this sort of stuff, I think is, is kind of gone. Like you do need to expend the resources and everything, but especially when you get to communism, not even to the replicator stage, but just kind of before that a little bit, you know, when you're, when you're on the road still, maybe it would require like sharing of resources between and within these, uh, these communes, like there are these, the workers councils or whatever you're, whatever you're sitting in, you're going to have to decide we're devoting this many resources to producing a movie. We're not getting those back. Like you're you're not, you you just don't get that. Like you ordinarily get the royalties Mm -hmm. and everything. You screen them and, get all the, the the ticket sales and whatnot. You don't. That part is no longer there. Yeah, you're just making it because you want to make a movie. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's interesting, though. I think the financial part basically gets eliminated, right? Like, that's out. The, the how to pay the workers, how to pay the crew, I think, has to come down to making sure that your play, your workplace is, you know, and in this case, the film production studio is democratic. The workers should get figure out how they're going to get paid. I think that would have to be part of it. Yeah, that's one thing. So I think this is interesting. Earlier, we were talking about how everyone's going to have to do some labor, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, I think that's pretty obvious in terms of utility type things. Like, yeah, we need someone to figure out you know, HVAC or whatever. Sure. But when it comes to the arts, 
especially larger production like things where would you resource you know is everyone's true passion going to be like yeah i'm a gaffer and that's my fucking thing you know like or i i'm in charge of electrical you know i mean maybe maybe there that's part of what they really want to do or maybe again it's it's subsidized and it's it's incentivized i don't know i think that's kind of interesting yeah I don't know. I don't know what part of being the crew, uh, you know, I don't know how desirable or grudge work that is in the eyes of people who work it. I mean, I don't either. If there are any super passionate crew folks out there, let us know. Yeah, I just, I think that'll, that'd be kind of interesting, like that tension between, you know, what is, what is your true calling or passion, whatever you want to call it, and like, you know, the need to get some physical labor done. Yeah. And I think, I think it's cut and dry with utilities, but then when you get into stuff like this, it's like, well... Are we going to spend resources on, on that or not? And it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to what a society wants. They don't want there to be films. I hate movies. Yeah, they can just like not devote the resources to it and then enjoy their life without films, you know? Everyone will be bummed without films. That suck. Or TV shows or whatever else, because this is not just big feature films, but TV shows operate, mm-hmm. in, you know, in, in this sort of collaborative way. Um, what are you going to, you know... You have to, you would think. But again, I think that we can't be, we can't decide for everyone what they want. People have to make that decision. So theoretically, they could be like, no, movies, we don't like them and and not devote any resources to it. But that would be really stupid, I think. I think people would have to see the value of it and, and have to devote something. It might take a while to figure out how much money needs to be outlaid for it because this is completely different than the way they like he would like uh aiden said in the question you know that they fund this way differently now like uh you know actors and stuff they get paid out of the out of the profits that the that the thing makes to we're just there and the the residuals yeah and everything that's just not gonna be a thing anymore (laughs) like that's and the people in the production company and stuff like that end is no longer there on the other hand when you watch a movie and you see like in the opening like few credits that they do in the opening where they tell you all the producers, mm-hmm. the executive producer, the executive producer, the co yeah, they're no no longer really there because you don't need to do the raising of funds for it. That's already decided. Yeah. That's very interesting. It's def- definitely a very big change. I don't like I guess to get down to the basics of it, I don't think it would go away. No. There's a need for it. For sure. I think that there will still be a filmmaking community. It may end up being way smaller scale. We may never see again, you know, as <laughs> wild and, and decadent thing. But then, then again, we might. There's no reason. I, I think we might see fewer of them. But like, couldn't the whole country decide, oh, we're going to make, you know, one of these really, <laughs> you know, over the top, really cool movies make, each year, you know, know, pour in the money for that and then just like sit back and enjoy once it's made and like, dang, look at that, you know? That's pretty cool. <laughs> But yeah, uh, fewer superhero movies, probably. I'm okay with that, man. <laughs> that's, that's not really my jam. Don't come at me for it. I will delete the email. So that's kind of basically right. It would look way different, but generally it's it's going to be fairer for the crew. Mm-hmm. Fairer for actors in general. and Well, fairer for all actors, but like beneficial for actors yes, in general. Yeah. Not, not as beneficial. beneficial for those at the top. <laughs> And not beneficial for all the producers. Like yeah, they're done. So there is another point when you're talking about if a society deems it important enough. I, I'm again thinking back to like <laughs> the Reddit threads I was reading of mm-hmm. under our current circumstances. I think I think if we move to this kind of stuff sooner rather than later, 
I mean, we got a climate crisis fix. I think for the first several years, it's just like, everyone's a, a green worker now. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I, at least that's what I would do. Like, sorry, guys, just, just hold up. You know, if you can use your talents for that, then sure. You know, like, I'd be having to make fucking WPA posters. That's okay with me. But yeah, I think, I think there's going to have to be a rotation of like heavy environmental labor for a while. And then you can transition to maybe more luxury stuff. I, I still, I, I don't want to like be so black and white about it because obviously art has utility. I made a whole thing about that, but I think it's kind of an interesting point. Thoughts. I agree. I hadn't thought of that before really at all, which is dumb, but <laughs> <laughs> well, we all compartmentalize and I often do that with the climate crisis. I just put it away. The climate crisis. I think that's very interesting because it raises the specter of basically an immediate threat, mm-hmm. but we do, ha- we basically would have to address the climate change as a, you know, a, as a huge fucking threat. <laughs> I don't know, national or world or commune wide uh, threat that we would all have to kind of mobilize together and sacrifice a lot for, to try to address first before getting to do all the, I mean, it's not like we would not have any cool things to start with. It's, it's not complete, but. Well, okay. Again, you'd, you'd still have worker run stuff. So you, and you still wouldn't have bosses. So you like that part still good. You're probably going to be working mm-hmm. fewer hours than you do now. You might have to work on something you're not super interested in for a while. Like, you're like, yeah, you've been recruited into the green Corps. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. learn how to desalinize water or something. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'd be willing to do it. And maybe, and you know, another thing I wrote was about like having rotations. Like you're, you're in this for like four years. Everyone's got to serve basically. And then you can Oof. do your own thing, which sucks. Don't get me wrong. But like, I also would like my yeah. kids to not die in like a sulfur environment or something. Do you think that this should be decided upon um, by the people? Should the people decide whether Oof. they want to do this or not? Because the people are not great about it. Right I know, now. right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just because bourgeois democracies don't, you know, liberal democracies don't like accurately reflect what people really want to do, hopefully, because otherwise people are just not that into. I will say people rate environment as important things on surveys a lot. It's just they, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of opportunities to act on that for most average people. Because when you do, when you get down to it, you're voting for somebody and hoping they do that. Yeah. Right? And for so. the candidates, usually it's way the fuck down there. For most of them. Yeah. I don't know. Um, we could do a whole episode on this. So hopefully, yeah. Hopefully people decide that. I, I I do agree that that's probably going to be a greater priority than making movies in, in that short time. Um, Sorry. Sorry, Aiden. <laughs> but it'll be fine. It'll get better. And I don't think that it would be absolute. Like you said, it wouldn't be just black and white, right? I know. I don't think it'd be black and white. Like, no one can make art. It's only green yeah, shit. I mean, That'd be weird. That's a little extreme. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to be fucking totalitarianist. Uh, the second part of the question had to do with the foreign production company, right? Yes. How would you, you said, if you're in a communist society and a foreign production company that wasn't communist wanted to fund the film, what would you do, you know, basically? I mean, would you just have to say no? <laughs> um, my fallback is always up to the workers, mm-hmm. right? Up to the workers, up to society. Um, you really, you know, and obviously in true communism, you'd be like funding. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Not a problem. You don't need it. (laughs) But, um, let's say, let's stay this side of utopia for it. You would have to lay down some ground rules. Ultimately, I think, what are they doing labor wise? Yeah. Do they treat their workers fairly? 
Yeah, you'd have to, before accepting any sort of funding deal with them, you'd have to be like, okay, well, you guys have to agree to fairly compensate all of your workers who do any work on this film while in our country, you know, and wages, benefits, safety, all that has to be covered according to our, you know, according to the way we do things here. How would it work if you're filming in their country, though? You'd have, I mean, if you're filming in their country, but you're filming with your own production company, or you're saying... Well, if you're, no, I guess if, if, if it's their production company, but you're going to their country too, it feels weird to be like, I'm in your house. Here's how you got to pay your people. But I mean, I think that's how a contract works. You could probably still put that in. Yeah, you could do that. I think. I guess you could do that. Uh, <laughs> like, we won't work with you. you. Well, you wouldn't be doing to anything to anybody in your country. You know, you wouldn't be doing anything wrong to them. Well, it's kind of shitty. Yes. <laughs> Basically, I'm saying... Maybe there's a way. I would hope that whoever's making this movie still demands that those workers are treated fairly. I don't know. Maybe they won't, but that'd be cool. Well, how would just the director do that, though? I mean, if... Okay, so the question said if they wanted to fund the movie. So, like, they're interested in working with you, I guess, because they think this movie's going to be cool. Again, we don't know how movies work, but... (laughs) Well, they're going to make money off the movie, too, and they think it's going to, you know, be cool or whatever. Yeah, I guess, yeah. So they would make a profit from it, but then you're... Sorry, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so they want to work with you, but I guess it's your idea. So, like, you're basically selling your idea to them in some certain sense. So you could make that part of your contract of like, no, I only work with companies who like treat their workers ethically. Yeah, it depends on if you're the screenwriter, if you're mm-hmm. the director, who who you are, you know. But getting back to this example, you know, the writer, the director, they kind of are at the behest of the production company, but they're not like, they don't control it, really. I guess it would be up to communities whether they wanted to allow people to sign with foreign production companies like that yeah because i could see an argument being made like why don't you just do that locally like we have the resources for this you know you're taking well it's not really about taking jobs anymore but it's like you're you know what if someone here wanted to work on that if that production company is going to come into your country and do shooting anywhere there they have to follow your rules i think you can easily lay that down but if you're gonna go make a film abroad, you can't really control that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think there's a point in trying to control that, really. I mean, people do that already now. They, you know, they mm-hmm. make make movies all over the world because different places have like incentives for you to make it there. Yeah. Whether in individual like states or in entire countries, they'll give you money and funding and mm-hmm. tax breaks and stuff to do that. I don't know if there's a point in in getting in people's way over that. Yeah, because it's like, even if you did that, it's like, you're not personally profiting off of that. So like, you just did it. Well, you do, right? You're gonna, you're gonna get paid out of the profits of that movie that this capitalist country is gonna sell. But then you come home and you don't need profits. So what are you gonna do with that money? Yeah, you're, you're, you got a lot of money, I guess. You just want the film to be made and be put out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess if that's still going on, like, because this is kind of the divided world, right? Yeah. If that's still going on, you know, your communist country is going to have to find a way to, to pool its resources to fork over money to these production companies or to the country itself, something to buy movies like that if they want their people to be able to see them. Yeah, I know. That, that's not a thing. Global, global shit like this confuses me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess hopefully people would not want to do that like too much. Yeah. 
hopefully we would also be trying to export the revolution to that country. So maybe they don't like us anyway because we're constantly <laughs> telling them to stop being capitalists. Saying you guys should have like a socialist revolution. You know, you guys should. You guys tried this. Yeah. You know, if you do end up making a movie with this foreign film company, you should uh, kind of agitate while you're there. Just be like, <laughs> just tell the crew. Like, wow, what do you, yeah, what do you get paid? Oof, you know, workers in in Utopia Land, we get paid. You know, we get this much. Yeah, exactly. Definitely, like make them form a union or tell encourage them to. Yeah, especially if you're still in that transitionary stage where you're still, ba- you know, you do have some sort of a market. Is oh, we get way more than that. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. That's good. Everybody's got a house. Everybody, where, where are you? Li- you're living over in that in that you know studio apartment. We've got everybody's got two bedrooms over there. Make your film about how cool socialism is, and then the crew is <laughs> like watching it happen. Be like, oh. and then see how many uh, capitalist <laughs> production companies come to oh yeah probably not. come to fund that. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Huh? Just realize that, and yeah, that probably wouldn't be their jam. Another deal would be if the capitalists. Uh, wanted to do any marketing of their film they're gonna have to pay for that out of their own end because we don't have it we're not gonna market it we don't need to yeah people just see it (laughs) maybe make a deal with them to let us have it in our country to show you know yeah that'd be cool we'd have like public theaters and stuff yeah community movie nights (laughs) but hopefully i guess hopefully aiden what they would do here is not do that so much basically <laughs> please don't we just hope that yeah don't do that one like i don't think it's as good I, I think that you have to worry too much about working with a company that's exploiting people and you should do that as little as possible yeah yeah this is an interesting question because it, it did kind of force us to reckon with with the global factor whereas with a lot the divided of stuff, world yeah uh-huh. a lot of the other stuff are like oh it's just local it's gonna be great but like a lot of these markets are global like fashion is global like uh, music a lot of the stuff that would be yeah that would be confusing yeah, so an awesome question there. Yeah, thank you for sending that. All right, should we go uh, to the organization corner? Yes, we should. It's the new theme song. Do you like it? I do. <laughs> that did not sound like you do. <laughs> Fine, whatever. All right, we're learning about artist unions. All right, teach me about artist unions. Yeah. I know about unions, but I don't know that much about artist unions. I didn't really either. I did some pretty cursory research this isn't in depth but that's why it's just in a corner it's not the whole podcast (laughs) so all right historically um there was something called artist the artist union and it was established during the great depression okay they're one of the reasons that we had the works progress administration hired so many artists Oh, cool. Well, did they, they were just agitating for it like pressing the government to do that so yeah they petitioned to for the Civil Works Administration to provide work in different artistic fields. And that's kind of how the Public Works of Art project was established. Um, is that the same thing as the WPA? Um, okay, so yeah, it's, it's like the precursor for it. Yeah. Um, because it's kind of, the Works Progress Administration isn't formed until 1935. Oh, okay. Works okay. of Arts is 1933. But anyway... Uh, artist union kind of pushed for those yeah and they also pushed for like pretty good pay rates for whenever wpa did come around interesting yeah so this was a new york-based union and it uh left the cio in 1942 but for a while was part of that um what's the nice. other one? congress of industrial organizations there you go. so it's part of the union of unions you could say yeah exactly <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, it's it's not around anymore, but it sounds like it was really fucking cool. Are there artist unions that are around then? So I found some. Most of them are pretty industry specific. So okay. some examples, Hollywood is pretty good about this. There's SAG. Uh, there's the National Writers Union. Uh, SAG is Screen Actors Guild. And, I was um, about to ask that. So no. <laughs> I don't know why I know shit about Hollywood. Probably because I listen to a lot of podcasts that are LA based. Ah, yeah. Let's see. The American Federation of Musicians. So I actually got some of this information from a musician friend of mine, Sarah. They are a musician living in New York. And they know a lot of people who have been involved in, these union, in this union. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a mixed bag as it stands now. Um, they do things like negotiate for better pay for musicians with orchestras. Uh, but that also comes with they'll blacklist certain orchestras that don't treat their musicians right, which like on the one hand, like, yeah, don't work with shitty people. But yeah. it can put some people um, in bad situations, especially if you're confined to a certain location. Maybe that's the only orchestra there and you want to work for them. Then it might mean you won't be able to join the union later. So if you are a member of the American Federation of Musicians, right, you can't go you know, do a, a gig or something for one of these groups. Like, oh, okay. So that means you, you have to drop off for them. Yeah. If you were going to do that. Yeah. Uh, Which I, I could see that being a problem. It's like, Oh, there's a really good conductor there that you really want to work with. Like, that's definitely a thing where like, this is a prestigious opportunity, but these places are blacklisted. Like this is probably a reason. <laughs> like, yeah, they probably don't pay well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's the, the most effective way to deal with it. I'm not sure, but it, it sounds like it could make sense. Yeah, it is kind of like a, a double-edged sword in some sense. But, I mean, I'd rather I'd rather know who's shitty, you know? <laughs> yeah. So from people kind of who directly experience, who have direct experience with this, what is the assessment of, do they think that their plight as a musician is better, you know, or are they better looked after when they're part of these unions? I think in general, it, it seems to be that, the answer is yes. Um, the union helps will help negotiate contracts for uh, cities and stuff like that. So you know, the Fort Worth mm-hmm. Orchestra, Dallas Orchestra, whatever. Uh, they also were integral in negotiations for COVID. Um, a lot of obviously orchestras cannot meet up right now, so making sure yeah. they still had health insurance. Um, unfortunately, some of them still uh, would. I think it was that they had salary, but they didn't have health insurance. So like. Not all the negotiations worked, so there's definitely some situations where they're not being taken care of, but I don't think that's the union's fault necessarily, I would imagine. Well, no, the unions, they have so much less bargaining power right now if what they do cannot be done, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, you can't go on strike because they'll just be like, well... Well, no one's doing orchestras right now. (laughs) Yeah, we're not planning on doing a show, so... You didn't do anything, yeah. you know. That's the that's one of the major things. You can't withhold your labor in any way. In that's any true. That's way. true. That's like your power. Uh, and right now, you can't do that. Yeah. Whereas in other industries, if you're talking like you know anything that's been deemed an essential worker, unions have increased power. Right yeah, now. yeah. Like because, the Instacart workers that successfully had a strike. Same with Amazon. Yeah, but in, in this sense, you 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 have way less power. It's yeah. Very unfortunate. It is. Um, but they have successfully organized strikes before for better pay. Mm-hmm. They also, one of the things I thought was really cool about this uh, union is they have a magazine where they list auditions and all union auditions must be available to the public. Um, again, we kind of talked about this in our union or our right to work episode where a lot of times 
you know, unions are doing these, are providing these great resources that are open to anyone, even if you're not in the union. And I thought this was a good example of that. So the audition, what, like, what does that mean? Like, it's open to the public, though, you said? Yeah, so basically, a lot of times, like, you'll have to be invited to audition, or, um, I think that's correct, <laughs> um, or, you know, you find out about it through someone that you know, you know, that someone's having auditions, but um, having this resource is really useful for when you're trying to find a job. Okay, all right. So any orchestra that is unionized like this, or that is part of this, whose who's musicians are part of this union, like, they get their auditions put on this on this public list so people so they can have more people mm-hmm. know about it. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. I just thought you meant that like Yahoo showed up at your audition. <laughs> just and they're anybody. Like, they're like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm actually not sure how that works, but yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, cool. Um, I mentioned the National Writers Union and they've successfully uh, negotiated a lot of work. Mm-hmm. They are primarily for freelance writers it's pretty common for them to not get paid and, you know, get abused because you're just a guy, right? Yeah. And they've helped ensure people getting paid. Uh, they've won some victories uh, against Ebony Magazine and Nautilus Magazine. Um, they had to give $160,000 in back pay for AD writers. That's so much money. They just were like, no. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> um, so, yeah, basically just providing a, a network for those freelancers make sure that they're not being exploited. That's pretty cool. But yeah, I think that um, artist unions can definitely play a role in, of course, protecting the, and advancing the kind of working conditions of people right now working in whatever art field they're in, uh, but also hopefully in agitating for, uh, and this might require some change. I don't know how much these unions engage in this right now, but advocating for some of those changes in society, those socialist reforms and, and such that would make it easier for, like we said, more people to participate in art, uh, for art to be easier for people who already do participate in it, you know, easier for them to do that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, I would say one thing that I learned about fairly, not fairly recently, but I was posting some socialist shit on Instagram, as I want to do. And mm-hmm. <laughs> one of my followers commented and said that they're from um, Denmark and that they have an artist union there. So I, I looked into them. And oh, okay. even just like on their homepage, looking at the resources they offer, I wish we had this guy's legal advice, artist unemployment fund, insurance, accounting consultation. Do you know how hard it is to do your taxes as a freelance artist? Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> It's insane. <laughs> Next year is going to be such a headache. Oh, man. Courses and training, pension. Like, they have all these resources, which that sounds fucking dope. Yeah, that is cool. Because so much of being a freelance artist is doing bullshit admin work, and it's one of the reasons that, like, I am not a full-time freelance artist, because that sounds annoying. So, like, yeah. having you to, like, help you with that would be huge. Yeah, for sure. Something else we could talk about. Um, what do you think the, maybe it would look a lot like the, the Danish artists union, but what would the ideal artists union look like? I don't know. I I have a lot of questions, you know, would it have to be by discipline? You know, I I think it was interesting in our earlier conversation. I had had all these different types of artists listed out, but then as we started talking about them, we're like, well, a lot of the same principles really do apply. So like, maybe it doesn't. I don't think it should. 
No. Um, I think it's similar to the debate about uh, unionism in terms of what we call craft unions versus industrial unions. Mm -hmm. Craft unions are all divided up like that. So you'd have your street street musicians, you'd have your potters, you'd have your uh, sculptors, you'd have your painters, all separate. Industrial unions, you know, and and so like in the real world, in the the more like trades world, that would be like, your plumbers union, your electrician union, your pipe fitters okay. union, or your whatever, right? So specific. Yeah, specific areas of employment, I guess. Yeah, Jobs. and even within the same like plant or something, you would have different unions for different things. Whereas industrial union tries to unionize like entire industries. Let's unionize the steel industry. It doesn't matter if you're the people pouring into the molds or the people who are finishing it after or whatever, like the whole thing, the car industry, doesn't matter where on the line you are, you're in it, you know, okay. whatever. whole entire industries. And eventually let's organize the workers into what the IWW called one big union. That I think would be better for musicians, artists of any kind uh, would be one big union. You don't really want to divide people up because like you said, their plight is one is the same. You know, they are undergoing the same struggles and they should fight in a united way. You know, together they need solidarity uh, with each other to get the best advances possible. I think that makes sense because, yeah, I, I was reading more about this issue and artists do face a lot of the same problems i think those problems are exacerbated by being freelance and by not having that network it's a lot easier for someone to not pay me because i'm just one person but if i have Mm -hmm. an entire giant group behind me like they can't fucking do that yeah for sure um it's hard in a way i think it's your labor force is pretty diffuse it's all over the place you know um you might artists especially freelance stuff can be done from all over the country (laughs) and the world yeah so it's harder to to kind of get together like that in some ways and coordinate but i think i think it's something that people should yeah should do to try to get better conditions for themselves yeah i I think it'll also be tricky on like figuring out cost of living kind of stuff like okay how much is a fair wage in arizona versus wherever you know Mm -hmm. yeah that's true but i mean I'm surely there's some calculations you can do and maybe you have to like at least meet the median income in that area. And then some, you know, there's gotta be something for that. Oh yeah. 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 It's possible. You can count. There's like living wage calculators and stuff. I think yeah, even probably online. So yeah, definitely. I'd want this union to provide lots of services again, like that Danish one. That's kind of sweet. Yeah. I think again, if it's, I mean, how, how united should this be? I mean, do you the visual arts entirely? That's one big umbrella because that's still a pretty fucking big umbrella. Or or is it just anyone who's a creative? Why not anyone who's creative? I think that's fine. I think you'd have to have some, I mean, God, um, clearly in, in app design because I'm like, you've got to have some subsections on your website because, like, you know, resources are going to vary yeah. by different disciplines. You know, you don't want to have yeah. orchestra auditions mixed in with, you know, here's where you can... Here's a free gallery space. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's fine. As long as it's organized, as long as there's some organization on the sub level, I think it makes sense. Here's what you do. You have an advocacy group like, okay, so you have an umbrella group Mm -hmm. that is the union. Okay. And these are the guys who are, who specialize in negotiating and, and you have to make all of this, this whole thing very, democratic and 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 workers are the ones doing it mm-hmm. but you gotta 
you got to have this group be the ones who are negotiating the the contracts. They're, they're that's what they they're in charge of negotiating contracts, making sure people are 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 following workplace safety, all that. Like they are the labor part of it. And as a subset of that, you can have the you can have the you wouldn't really call them unions, but the groups for each industry and stuff doing the more community side of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah doing doing the kind of services kind of and things the grassroots like that. organizing of like hey we're putting together a gallery show and yeah yeah but the union is the one that's devoting the resources to the contract stuff to organizing strikes to uh provide you know and, and especially if you get it advanced enough to like the danish artist union style like you could be uh running the the healthcare funds and the and the pension funds and everything you know that's the whole everyone together more resources, right? Mm-hmm. But each group knows best what its resources, what what individual things it needs. I have kind of a basic union question again. Sure. So obviously we want the union to be worker-led. I think particularly when it comes to artist union, maybe this is why I didn't think about this question before on our other episode, is if you're spending all this time being a union guy, will you still have time to do art? Um, it depends on what... <laughs> uh, and like some of the stuff, like, you know, one of the resources listed was legal advice. Like, are we just going to hope there's an artist lawyer hybrid out there? I'm sure there no. is. No, I mean, you want, so when you want legal consultation, you want the union to just pull its dues money together. Okay, and, and hire lawyers. someone on the outside. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like you have to do everything yourself. But I would argue that you want leadership to be mainly occupied by people who are still doing the work or maybe like they used to like i could see maybe an art educator getting into this being like yeah i used to teach and now I'm, i've moved on into this field because i don't want to see young artists getting exploited or i think there are roles where i th- it definitely would be helpful to have that experience I, th- I think that should be at least a requirement yeah um if you're talking maybe at the top leadership post that or you know in, in the very upper echelons like that that might be some sort of former artist situation, but it just brings to mind more business oriented unions and even unions that used to be radical at some point kind of getting more, more corporate more and admin. more comfortable. Yeah. Because, and these unions will have like, you know, formally rank and file members and stuff in the documentary, uh, Harlan County, USA. Uh, uh, they follow the, uh, United Mine Workers of America Union and kind of its development over like a decade or more. And they actually, you know, they elect in their union like this guy who was just like a coal miner before and everything and uh, elect them to leadership. But once they're doing that full time, they kind of, their interests change a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, think. I mean, they may still be looking out for the workers or trying to. But you get a suit and tie on and you, you know, you're in the board meeting stuff and you're a little different. That's, that's what I worry about. You probably start thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm more important than these people. Yeah. And I'm sure that not everyone does that, but that's what I worry about. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. You want them to, one, you want them to have that experience so they actually know what problems these people are facing without having to like go around back. Hey, what problems are you facing? And two, yeah, you, you want to stay kind of grounded. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I think in some very specialized things, well, obviously you have to hire outside people for some things, but like in general, you want the structure to be mostly 
workers, in this case artists. Yeah, to the greatest extent possible. Cool. Is there anything else that we'd want? I mean, I, I mean, again, I'd really want a lot of community resources for this. Like, like again, listing auditions, having, you know, union art shows. I think that'd be fucking rad. You could do a lot of, this could be a great opportunity for collaborating in like multimedia art. Like, that's cool as fuck. Yeah. You could have your gallery opening and then like have union members who are musicians play at it. Like, that's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That would be awesome. Should we put in the show notes maybe or something links to various artists unions or how could we encourage, I guess, listeners to support or advocate for artist unions or we could let's <laughs> <laughs> let's list the unions we mentioned in this in the show notes. Um, but mm-hmm. also if you're an artist, yeah, just just Google it. If maybe in your country things are cooler, like if you're in Denmark or another kind of socialist place, that's awesome to join those yeah all right do you want to wrap up yeah let's let's conclude all right well thank you for listening find us on social we're at teach communism on twitter at teach me communism on instagram and teach me communism at gmail.com if you want to send us a question yeah um rate and review on apple podcasts and share with your buds or your enemies you can share with your enemies if you want yes uh tell us more about Christine's shrill voice, my dulcet tones. Shut up. I reread the reviews today and I found that they, one of, so one person complimented both of us. So I'm fine. Oh, good. Okay. I felt awesome. <laughs> so next time I want to hear, I'm, I'm in the mood for some Russian stuff. I don't know about you. All right. Yeah, we can do that. We'll go back to the old Soviet Union, a little bit of history. Yeah, it's been a while. I feel we've done a lot of just chit chatting ones. So I want, I want OG teach me some stuff all right yeah i can teach you about it uh specifically big topic soviet union what do you want to learn about specifically there i want to learn more about what it actually was like to live there because we are fed a lot of myths and propaganda and i just i want to know what it was like okay yeah that can be very interesting we'll get into some of those (laughs) yeah you're right there's a lot of propaganda (laughs) out there about it not to say of course that like everything was great there there's a guy called Stalin. It's pretty <laughs> shitty. But we can look at some of the myths that are out there. What parts are true? What parts are not? That sort of thing. Yeah. Were there lines for toilet paper? Yeah. Were there lines? Very important questions because. <laughs> I, I need to know. So, yeah, we'll be learning about some of those myths and everything. Kind of getting more of a feel of what actually was the case in the Soviet Union. Yeah, and we're still talking about how we're going to divide this up. We might do like an early period, late period kind of thing, or it might be by topic. So we'll we'll figure it out. Sounds good. Thanks as always for being a great student as we kind of just talked this out together, I guess. So <laughs> you were more of the teacher <laughs> than I was this time. That's a, It was fun. Again, it was weird to change roles, but, you know, you got you to gotta open your mind sometimes. Hey, yeah, and... Um, if we're, you know, if one of our big projects is to democratize the workplace, democratize the economy, we should talk about someday democratizing education. So it's a good point. Yeah, write that on the list. <laughs> so have to how to how to lower the uh, how to lessen the power imbalance between teacher and student. We we're exercising that today. Hell yeah. Okay, listeners, uh, catch us next week on another episode of Teach Me Communism where the class struggle is always in session. Later, Gators.